hitters love to to get out the Rapsodo and just work on things, and and that's obviously hitting the ball harder and getting the actual number. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I welcome Marty Smith, the head baseball coach for the College of Central Florida. Marty is overflowing with essential experience going into his 25th season and having won two FCSAA state championships and rewarded twice as the FCSAA Coach of the Year. Coach Smith and I dive into how to develop assistant coaches as he recently had two hired into pro ball but he also gives us some applicable training advice, ways to personalize methods for players, and what it takes to shape a successful team culture. You're going to love this episode, and here is Marty Smith. Coach Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I've been an, an admirer of you for afar, and, and I've met a couple of your assistants that have now gotten into pro ball, and and so I've been really curious about uh, a lot of the different things that you guys are doing. And you've been there for, I could say, a couple of years. And it, it's really interesting to see how you guys are developing so many good players and with so many, I guess we could say, modern techniques. But before we get too far into the player development side, I, I want to know a little bit about you and you know how you got your start into baseball. So if you don't mind, would you mind sharing that with us? Not at all. I uh, loved the game as a kid. I was one of those park rats that when my team wasn't playing in the league, I was I was at the field either watching a buddy or playing cup ball or something like that and just being on that other field playing baseball all my life and played for a great high school coach at Terry Parker in Jacksonville named Howard May, who was a legend in the Jacksonville area. Every kid that loved that that played for him loved the game of baseball, respected the game of baseball. And I got to play for uh, Paul Maneri at St. Thomas. It was going to go play some, some pro baseball in Italy when my career ended. And that was the plan in January of 88. And uh, his dad, Doc Demi Maneri, who was also a legend at Miami-Dade, he got rid of his coach at the break. He said, you got anybody coaching over there? He calls his son, Paul, at St. Thomas University in Miami and says, mm-hmm. do you have anybody over there that can coach? And I'm over there finishing my degree. I'd already played. I uh, was probably playing intramural football or something like that. And Paul <laughs> says, hey, Marty. Hey, Marty, my dad's looking for a coach. He said, you wanted to coach. I know we got you set up to go to Italy to play professional baseball over there in January. But what do you think? And I, that's pretty good. You know, Miami Dade's a, a story program. At the time when I was there, they had like 27 big leaguers, including Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, Ellis wow. Valentine. I mean, they had some really, really good players. And uh, and I knew what a great program that was. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I started my coaching career the next Monday at Miami-Dade. Uh, finished out the fall with them. And then we started the spring 
in January. That was a January of 88. Just really got a big break there to get my foot in the door college-wise. It wasn't a lot of money at all. I mean, hardly any. But uh, sure. it was a great way to get in the game. And, and then I went to, to, to play for a uh, coach for Howard Roy in 1990 at uh, what was then Florida Junior College in Jacksonville. I got lucky enough to win a state championship there with him in 90. The the college I'm at now, College of Central Florida, had an opening for assistant for 91 through 94. I took over the program in 95. been there ever since. So Cal has been a great place to raise a family and just a great place to, to stay my whole career. A lot of fun. So it was kind of weird how I got in, but always loved the game, got lucky, and I uh, got a break and a couple other breaks and ended up here in Ocala now for 30 years or so. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. And you, uh, so you've been there since not, you said the head coach since 1995 and, you know, that's, that's a long stop for a head coach, which, you know, is a testament to you being, uh, just doing so well, apparently. And, and so, uh, you've also, um, got had two, uh, and I mentioned this just a little while ago, you've had two coaches that got into pro ball this season that you were your assistants. And I, I think that's just another testament to, you de- you hiring good men, I'm sure, but also helping to to develop good coaches around you. But I, you know, I want to know: Do you have any advice for head coaches on on how to uh, do something similar and, and not necessarily get them ready for pro ball, but just to make sure that they get max they maximize their influence on their assistants and help them to develop to into the coaches that they want to be. I uh, I think the driveline uh, podcast couple of chapters, a couple of episodes ago, talking about Marty Smith as a, as a guy that can develop assistance. I, I go, it's, it's great, but I, the fact of the matter is the assistants developed me. They, they developed themselves about four or five years ago. I was a, I'm now 53. I was a 48 or 49 year old hole running block practicing, worrying about mechanics, old school dummy mm-hmm. that was doing things the same way over and over again. And I was, I'll tell you what, lucky enough to, to get uh, Zach Bowe, was, who's now with the Twins as a pitching coach, and we'll probably talk about him later, but he was a guy that just dove in. He, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember what the start was, but I know it was, hey, Marty, I wanna, I'd like to order this hacking the kinetic chain, and I want to order this, and we want to, uh, I got a guy named Graham Lehman. You, know, you ever heard of Graham Lehman? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a Canadian guy that that we started kind of a remote, he was our remote strength and conditioning guy. And Zach said, can we pay this guy a couple hundred bucks a month? And we were, we were Graham's first uh, team that he worked with. And so cool. we started getting into that, started dabbling into some, some what you'd call new stuff. I guess Zach was getting his master's degree at the time from Missouri. I think it was sports psychology or something like that. We hired Graham from Canada and, just a guy that Zach found on Twitter and uh, and just started getting into uh, you know the movement screenings and correcting them and the, the baseball strength and the guy completely changed the way our team worked out. He started opening our eyes to a lot of things. Fantastic. And, and we worked with him a couple of years and and just kind of that got the ball rolling into the you know the the side of stuff that that uh, is big in baseball now. And if you deny it, you you, you need to kind of at least have an open mind to it. And that's where I was. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm 50 years old and I'm at that crossroads where, you know, am I going to finish it out and keep doing this old school stuff? Or am I going to listen to Zach? 
Mm-hmm. And then Zach, uh, and then John Koenigsfeld, my other assistant, who's who's just a he's also a dude. He's still with me. Valedictorian of this high school, really intelligent guy, really great coach, really really player oriented. And then uh, so we dove into it uh, a little bit more from just other things, and then we developed Nate Peterson. He's a first round draft pick, of course. Zach did mm-hmm. as a pitching coach. You know, and, and just we we just slowly got into it, and then it starts taking over, and you start doing new stuff and and looking at the numbers and between the you know just the the strength side of things and the, the workouts and the not wasting your time doing certain things and you know we just come into that. So Zach Ryan comes along a couple of years later. He does on the hitting side, and he mm-hmm. just kind of takes over what what John had started and John and he together. That developed some really, really good hitters over the last few years. So I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm that guy that's just along for the ride, man. I know just <laughs> enough to, I know just enough to be dangerous, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But, but I, you know, I, I love what we're doing. I love the direction that we're taking, the transfer to the players, the fun the players had uh, last year, breaking our records for home runs. It was crazy. We, we hit 95 home runs in 46 games. Our record oh. before that was like 55. Wow, and we're about to get on that pace for this year too. So when you see the kids develop like they do and the success that we've had or whatever, it works. It works, man. So we're we're just uh, I'm along for the ride, man. They, those those coaches they develop themselves as far as writing and reading and implementing these things that we do. You know, make our players better and develop players. It's pretty cool. Well, and you are obviously talking about how how good they that your assistants are, but Again, it's it's got to be another another testament to you to allow those guys to work within the parameters that you set with your program too, and and to give them a ton of freedom and for them to do such a great job. Because you know I've never been a head coach of a of a team, especially a college team that there's always pressure to win, and that that just shows you know how well one how well you've hired, and two how well you've done at giving them a ton of freedom, learning from those guys and letting them do their jobs. And I don't think that can be overstated that that's probably pretty hard to do. Um, I tell you what, yeah, it, it's hard to get a crew like, like I had in here the last several years. And I, I guess I'm, I'm smart enough to have an open mind to, to new ideas and training. I'm smart enough to trust my assistants to, to grow and learn from mistakes. And I, I you know, when I was, I'm here as long as I had, I think we've had three losing seasons in 20 in my 25 years or whatever. So, you know, it's not going to keep my job or something like that. We graduate mm-hmm. kids and we do the right things otherwise. So it's, it, it's easy for me to, to go, Hey, you, you guys, we're going to do this and we, we might make some mistakes here and there, but we're going to do this. So if I'm smart enough to, to trust my assistants and let them learn, and I know these, these are, these are guys, all three of them played for me, uh, Zach and John in 2007 and eight and Ryan and I think uh, 13 and 14. So mm-hmm. I know they're good guys that are hardworking that, that we're researching this stuff. And, and, uh, and it's just been a blast. It's been a blast. They, we, we laughed we, yesterday. We, we were down four to one. We hit a two run homer, then a three run homer. And then we went out with a walk off homer and we're just, wow shaking our head going we were so tired from a, a road trip that we had taken the day before and i knew we were in the about to lose after winning 16 in a row and they guys would wake up and hit three bombs and we're and it's just fun because we know that that hard work that they've done in the weight room and everything we've done on the hitting side of things pays off and so i mean i'll 
take the credit for being smart enough to, to trust my assistants and, and be lucky enough to, to have the guys that I have surrounding me to, to make these guys better. I, I'm 50 years old, so I, if I was 30 and 35 and I was just getting in and I was dove in a little bit more, but I'm telling you, I'm on the I'm on the peripheral of this thing of, of what my assistants are doing, and, and I, I love what we're doing. I love mm-hmm. what we're doing, and they're, they're just a huge part of it. Oh, that's awesome. And that is, I didn't even know that they played for you. And that's an even added bonus because I, I, if you hadn't have done things right for them as players, then they wouldn't have come back and, and coach with you. And that just shows the impact that you're having on those guys. And, and so with, uh, with you guys, player development is at the forefront of everything that you guys are doing. And so I just want to know, you know, what are some things that you guys do to build that culture and, and, and what are some really things that are just really you guys are really intentional about? We want our culture to be a, a, a happy, content, smiling, a fun group to be around that want to play for each other, whether we win or lose. But one of the things I tell them on the first day, man, is I want you to, if you run into one of your teammates in five, 10 or 15 years, I want them to, if they're with their wife or family or girlfriend or whatever, to, to look at you and say, man, that was a guy that, that really worked hard. He was, he was serious about helping the team, about getting his degree, about working, about doing things. And, and don't let that, don't let that person say, you know, he was an idiot and he didn't work and he didn't go to class and just stuff like that. That's really, really over the years, is really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. And we just want a culture that has fun playing the game. And, and I mean, when, when you're winning and you're hitting home runs and you're, all your guys are 90 plus throwing and you know that you, they've developed and they've gotten better. They're going to go to good schools from here. That's kind of the culture that we want. Um, so what do we do? I mean, it's changed over the last several years and it changes every few years, but mm-hmm. we, we try to do a little middle minute before the practice starts. Uh, so maybe five minutes. It might be on something else. It might be on, on diet. It might be on, nutrition sleeping it might be on relationships it might be on working out it might be on academics it might be on something it's just a little five minute deal that we do that we think is important to to get these guys off to a good start and uh before practice we do it every day and it's just something that that something besides baseball something besides baseball that that helps them kind of develop personally as as a non-baseball guy and uh, on the non-baseball side of things to uh, to do that. Now, we want our sophomores to to tell our freshmen, well, why does Coach Smith want the clubhouse clean? And how does that discipline co- carry over to the to the field? Mm-hmm. And, and why does Coach Smith want us to, to run hard on a ground ball? And why, you know, just, just Coach Smith's not going to like that. And we're not military by any means. We are not a, you know, we don't work out at six or seven in the morning. These guys work out in between classes. They work out between uh, practice and game and, uh, in class and after practice. And it's, it's, uh, our weight room isn't real big. It's right behind our home plate and it's a close walking distance right behind our field, but it has room for like eight or 10 guys in it at a time. So we're over there in different times. And, but we just want them to, to work hard. And, you know, as far as a culture and culture building, it's, you hope your sophomores do it. And then you hope in January your freshmen can do it and everybody's on the same page. So nothing special, but, but a, it's a, it's a hard work and a, and a, and a success. And they know we like to have fun and, and laugh and play the game the right way. 
Sure. And me being, it seems like I used to be a younger guy until I saw everybody getting hired in pro ball that was in the mid twenties. And so now I feel, <laughs> I actually had one of the freshmen yeah. go, he told me, called me middle-aged and I said, I just turned 30 and he goes, yeah, that's middle-aged. <laughs> but I, I'm really curious, you know, with having some of the looseness that you've got and, and I love that aspect of it. And I think that, that that's an absolutely fantastic environment to be in. And then I, I'm curious as to what your rules and standards are. And you mentioned that you want them running hard to first base. Totally get it. Understand. You want to, you want a clean locker room, but do you mind, you know, diving into a couple other things that you guys really hold tight to? It's pretty easy, man. Uh, you know, the, just be on time, go to class, work hard, lift hard, be a good guy, mm-hmm. be a guy we want to be around. We, we got to spend a lot of time on the bus with you and in the locker room with you and, and, and on the field and the dugout. and. and you know, it's just nothing, nothing special. No, I mean, if you have a bad game, make sure your teammates know it's not because you aren't working hard. Make sure you, you know, you if you if you made a boot late or you know you did something that in the ninth inning that you deem that you uh, let down the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's not because you didn't work on that. Make sure it's not because you were lazy about that or whatever. So. It's simple. Just overall, be a good person, be on time, work hard, be a good teammate. Just, we, we try to keep it pretty simple there. It's, it's, Juco's tough. I mean, it, it's, it's not easy. The, 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 uh, as far as that goes, the, you know, we, we, they're in class. They, they're working out. They're, they're in practice. Some of them have an at night class a couple times a week. And between January and, and May, there's not a lot of free time. We do some community service and there's just not a lot of, not a lot of free time mm-hmm. to, uh, to do things. So let's make sure that we're on the same page and we're not doing stupid stuff at night and letting down the team there. Sure. I, that's, that's awesome. And uh, I think that, that having such simple and concise rules that they could have several different meanings behind those of what a good teammate looks like. I think that's, that's a really mm-hmm. good reminder for all of us as well. And uh, I, I love Dabo Sweeney. He talks about rules without relationships leads to rebellion. And it sounds like that's yeah. you're, you're wanting to them to be good teammates. You're wanting them to be good kids. And all of that comes down to you getting to know them and then leading them in a direction that you want them to go. And, and I think that's fantastic. But let's go ahead and dive into the development side. And you have your guys for two years and then they're moving on. And and I, you know, looking from the outside in, that's not a lot of time to develop players from a player development standpoint. You know, we have them for four, and sometimes I feel like that's not that's not long enough to be able to get them yeah. where they want to go. And you guys have just taken the the stance of we're going to develop you guys into two years, and you're going to go on, and we're going to win games in the process. So I want to know what the fall looks like for you guys, and so let's rewind a little bit to this past off season and just take us through what a typical week looked like for you. In the fall, we're we're on the field about every day, but Sunday we start with uh, 32 to 35 players. Um, pitchers will start the first day. Get uh, the first day that they get there, they'll get about a two week start on everybody else with plan stuff. While position players will be getting some light work in, they'll they'll just be getting some light work in and and kind of getting to know each other and you know hopefully. Shoot, some of them don't even know that. Obviously, don't even know their roommate until the uh, the first day. So, uh, pitchers will get some work done. We'll do some basic, some baseline testing, some movement screening stuff. A full squad usually starts the Tuesday after Labor Day. 
Um, we'll have our Pro Scout days pretty early. We're on the early schedule for the Pro Scout day. We have it around the third or fourth week of September, and we usually have all 30 teams. We've had those well, all 30 teams the last several years. That's a little bit of a of a goal for for kids to come and be in good shape. There's there's not a better I don't know the word I'm looking for. I guess there's not a better goal to have to tell a kid that you need to come in pretty good shape and you need mm-hmm. to be able to, your arm needs to be ready to go because scout day with all 30 pro teams is, is on, is like two weeks after we start. So, so, you know, that usually every kid wants to play pro baseball. So every, every kid sure. would at least come in shape and be ready to go mm-hmm. for that. Um, we'll start playing a couple weeks later after that. We'll play through November 15th. Um, we typically play a 20-game schedule in the fall. Play some D2s. Uh, we play some high school travel teams uh, that are pretty good. And we'll play some JUCOs that are, that are located pretty close to us. After that, uh, second week of December, usually finals week, we'll usually make some tough decisions on some kids and try to get down from 32 to 35 to our 26-man ro- roster and uh, send them home for the holidays and hope hope they come back just as strong and as heavy as we want them to be and they eat well and work out and come back in good shape and get ready to go in January. So it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's several months of, it gets hot here in the fall. I mean, in August, September, halfway mm-hmm. through October, it's, it's still pretty hot and they can, you know, putting on weight's a big deal for us. We're eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches during practice. We don't care just about any time we have a break in practice, they can go make a, they can go make a sandwich on, our makeshift training table, which is a small eight-foot table with a peanut butter, jelly in a fridge, and a couple loaves of bread sitting there, and we we don't mind at all to to eat during the middle of practice. Which is something my players from seven, eight, ten years ago would say, "What's wrong with Coach Smith, and why is he so crazy?" But, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's obviously putting on weights a, a big thing as far as the development goes. No, that's that's a great idea, actually, and. You know, we, we graph about our kids gaining weight. Well, we need to give them time to do so, too. And so, I, I, and I've talked with Ryan a couple of times about uh, this from the hitting side, but how are you guys prioritizing individual development within the team setting? Because I, you know, I know firsthand it's not easy to do. And so, you just what's your take on that? And, and how are you guys getting the most out of them as individual players? Well, I, I mean, it's, you know, obviously there's some, some pre-practice work and, some post-practice work, but I'd say it mostly be in our early work. Hitters love to, to get out the rap soto and just work on things, and, and that's obviously hitting the ball harder and getting the actual number. We weigh our guys every couple weeks. There's, you know, on a group of a 26-man team, you probably have two or three that that have to watch what they eat and, and, and be careful so they don't get, you know, too heavy. And then you got and probably on our level, eight, seven to ten guys to uh, that that need to put on weight and need to keep up their weight. If we got a like we have now, a hundred seventy five pound catcher that's got to catch a lot of games for us, we don't want him dropping eight pounds in a doubleheader. And uh, so it's it's really important that we we stay on top of that stuff. And so. I mean, I think charting things and documenting things, the, having the quantitative numbers that we get from Blast, Rapsodo, and our, our just our, our quality at bats chart and things like that, and posting them and putting them on our bulletin board right outside of our clubhouse challenges all of them to work on things that that 
are out there, man. It's it's here. It's you know, don't let us down because your number on this is has gone down and you aren't working hard and just some you know some accountability there to 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 develop as an individual. Sure, sure. You've mentioned a couple of different things that you guys do track and uh, and you can you can add to this list as well. But you're talking about gaining weight, which we all you know as coaches want them to do for the most part. And or I mean, even if they need to lose weight, it, it's important to track weight and see where they're at. And then you talked about the Rapsodo, but you know what? What are some of the th- different things that you guys measure that's really important to you? And and the kids know that hey, if you know, and you keep talking about these different numbers, but specifically, what are you guys looking at? Well, obviously, weight's a big one, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, their uh, success and the way they're growing in the weight room. Okay. We put up a chart, and I wish I had it in front of me, and it explains every one of the, the, the pieces of data that we get from BLAST, and I have it on my phone. It's a really neat chart that we okay. have, but it's just uh, hard numbers, and, and I mean, obviously, um, the attack angle that, that a couple of guys have to work on from the BLAST, and we, we have a big old kid that just, he can hit him, one of the most powerful kids we've ever had that, mm-hmm. that has a negative attack angle and and uh it's just hard for him to figure out and something like that is it's just so important for him to uh we don't want him to think about it all every day but when it's time to concentrate on that in the cages or something like that Mm -hmm. that you know it's good to chart that and have that and so i mean we'll chart those and you know besides the the weight and the, the success in the classroom and the quality of bats and things like that those would be kind of a, a start for what we what we post that, that we want to see kids see at least once or every two weeks or so. Let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about OnBaseU. OnBase University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, they just put up a blog post on their website, onbaseu.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their OnBaseU screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with the OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, and he talked about how he modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Phoenix, Newark, and Houston over the next few months. I will be attending one soon, and I hope to see you there. Okay. And what is your uh, like contingency for a quality at bat? Like, what are you guys calling a quality at bat? What makes up one? I don't have my chart right. I don't have it right in front of me, but it would be obviously a hard hit ball. Sure. We uh, we go back and forth on a on a cheap hit, but mm-hmm. uh, we call it hit an RBI. And- Obviously, moving a runner. I think we we stuck with uh, seven seven pitching bats. I don't have it right in front of me, and I, and I we keep it on a chart right outside of our locker room door. So you'd think mm-hmm. I would know this, but basically those, basically okay. those. Perfect, perfect. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and skip to the spring. And being a guy who's been a head coach for again a couple of years, I'm I'm terrible at math, or and and so since 1995, but. 
Uh, I'm sure you've gone through a ton of different practice plans, and I, I always love to, you know, see people posting those online and just trying to steal different ideas. But if you don't mind, just take us through what a typical practice plan looks like uh, in the spring, and you know, how much do you spend time on uh, different things, and just kind of where you're at right now. Okay, I, I'd say we spend 35 to 40 minutes on, and it might be 45 when they stretch out their arms on on an active stretch, arm care. Uh, base running and throwing, we'll do our base running uh, before they throw and right after they stretch. So probably 45 minutes there. We'll spend about 30 minutes, 30 to 35 minutes on an individual defense several times a week, uh, which is basically pitcher, catcher, infielder, outfielders all going with the coach and getting something specific done. We'll spend about 30 minutes on team defense several times a week which that has gone down now, uh, the first and third defense, the bunt defense, the uh, rundowns, mm-hmm. the tandem relay, uh, that, that's to have gone down a little bit more and, and gone over into the into the hitting ledger side of things. So uh, I'd say early in the year, we'll spend a lot more time on, on tandem relay, the first and thirds, rundowns, stuff like that. Okay. Now, it's, now it's a lot less on that and a lot more hitting. Okay. Um, and we probably spend an hour to an hour and 15 minutes a day hitting because it's, it's setting up machines and, and, and uh, it's, it's uh, just a little bit more time consuming to, to set things up and set screens up and, and do things to hit it. So, but it's, it's a, it's a fun, you know, hour, hour and 15 minutes of hitting. Sure. So that's, that's about it. And I, we, we'd love to be out probably two and a half hours and, that would be kind of an average practice for us. Perfect. How are you guys integrating competition into your practices? John does a great job of that. My, my assistant that's still with me, John Koenigsfeld, he does a great job of that. And he and Ryan did it as well when Ryan was here. But um, we'll turn on the scoreboard. We'll play kind of a total basis game or a freebies game or a, or a uh, kind of a – it's basically maybe least amount of freebies wins we'll we'll go total bases and we'll go by inning we'll turn on the scoreboard and and just uh and, and compete it's not really runs or, or hits or anything else it's just total bases that they have for in an inter squad game or maybe a coach pitch game where we're pitching with an L screen okay MVP will charge some hard hit balls and score them on some situational stuff that that sets up that's obviously a competition uh when taking ground balls John will Put the, put the stopwatch on them, make a little competition out of that, or throws have to be perfect or above the waist, something like that. Uh, catchers will play a little survivor game, throwing to second base, just some fun competitive things. Uh, as far as, you know, you got to get four out of five on the bag, or you got to get three out of five, and then we start and we play survivor and eliminate one of our four catchers or something like that. So always something, it seems like probably, I'd say, you know, because right now we're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday as our conference. Our conference isn't like a conference weekend. It's uh, Our games are kind of spread out through the week. So right now our practice is Tuesday. We'll have a good practice. And we'll play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday will be a uh, basically a BP on the field, maybe some tens, a light one. And, uh, and then we take off Sunday, so. Right now, during season, and it's one practice a week, four games a week, and then a, a Thursday, kind of a, a hitting BP light day, we would consider. And then, so back in the fall is when we'd probably do the competitions most of these times, unless we had something that came up that we really had to work on with 
you know, specific, something specific to make a competition out of it. And as you know, these days, that's what works more than anything with these guys. Sure. Kids love to compete. And yeah. so I'm always looking for just better opportunities to do that. And, you know, we've, uh, we, we don't bunt a lot, but we were playing, we stole a, a bunt game from Matt Kozdurka and spent 15 minutes on it. And it's, he just called it like this, a short bunt game. And we spent 10 minutes on it and the kids <laughs> were just drenched in sweat before practice was even started. And they just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Is that one I saw online? Was that online the other yeah. day? It's uh-huh. kind of a short, quick. I mean, mm-hmm. the bases are real close. Yeah, I saw that. About Thirty it feet. Good. It no, looked, no, it was good. It really good. It was good, and and we were doing a circuit, and it just so we would have like ten minutes of station for thirty minutes before practice, and one of them was bunt station, so we would make sure we're getting getting some of it in, and we wouldn't have to do it during the hitting stations, and just felt like yeah. things were getting stale, and so one of our assistants was, or I sent that to him, and he was like, "We're doing that today." I was like, "Okay," so <laughs> we set it up and had it ongoing on both both uh, ends of the indoor, and kids were just they they loved it, and so that was that was a really awesome. good one. But anything, I got to look at that because I saw that, and I'm just like you. We don't spend a whole lot of time on bunting, but when we do, I want it to be, you know, at least I don't want them to go through the motions and be bored with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so anything that that we can do to to spice it things up, especially getting into the to the season now, it's it's uh it gets a grind at the very end. So anything we can do like that, I I really do love. And and I did hear you mention machines earlier. And that that could fit into the the next question that I'm going to ask you, which is what is something unique that you guys do? And that's either, you know, drills or cultural cult, uh, culture building, philosophy, or just anything that you feel like you guys do a little bit different than anybody else. Well, it, it's it's probably the BP setup. As far as that, I mean, you know, our BP a couple of years ago, more than three or four years ago, was. You know, L screen coach throwing some comfy BP in there at 45 miles an hour and banging it around and going through our situations and, you know, some head runs and bunts and moving the runner and things like that. But boy, that changed in the last couple of years. And we'll, we'll set up a couple of machines. We have a hack attack. We have a hack attack junior. We might set one up from a left handed or right handed breaking ball, maybe the junior. And that thing throws good. We just got it this past fall. Mm-hmm. And it really throws it's consistent and, and really throws a good breaking ball for a strike. And then we'll have a the regular hack attack maybe on the mound throwing something that's not a lot of fun to hit. And then there's times when a coach will have a an L screen set up and they'll throw as well, kind of every round. Um, so the the kids will get a little bit of fun from the coach throwing, but the rest is is some work and it's and and that's one thing when you get into this stuff, you really have to have that kid that that uh, that buys into this, that doesn't uh, get frustrated because he doesn't foul off a ball off of the machine in mm-hmm. ten swings or eight swings or whatever. And uh, once you you know in the fall, it's it's just not a lot of fun. The BP is not a lot of fun for the kids because they're like, whoa, what is this? And mm-hmm. You're throwing this hard stuff at them, and you know they can hit the breaking ball off the junior hack attack machine, and then you. You try to set up that that hack, that big hack, so that it's not everything is a high spin fastball that is just completely impossible to hit. You want them to have a little bit of success off of right. it. We we basically set up stuff that's hard to hit, not a lot of fun. The payoff maybe doesn't come until the end of the fall. And obviously, we want it to come before games in the spring. So maybe curveballs at a lefty and righty angles, some some high velo that's hard to hit. 
uh, we set the hack attack behind the mound, and I saw this one at the ACA this year. I heard about it. Somebody talked about setting the hack attack behind the mound, 65 feet. I think it was probably 70 feet we had it back there. You talk about a good changeup. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a really good changeup. And, and kids know it's coming every single pitch. And, uh, and I mean, we have it set up pretty high, but it's so long it takes so long to get to you. It's really neat how it, how it kind of you know makes us see the changeup a little bit better and, and a really, really good changeup. So, and we might have a <laughs> like an ATEC curveball machine that throws the soft ATEC balls in the cages while this is going on. Sometimes we'll alternate on the field with a tough machine from one angle and comfy BP from the regular spot. And mm-hmm. obviously we'll use some overload, underload axe bats. So it, it's just, our, our BP is, is really not fun for our players at the beginning of the year. It's just tough. And then it gets better. And then there's some buy-in and then, then it's a blast and they have fun. And then they start hitting that high, you know, that high velocity hack attack off the, off the field. And then we'll start having some success and, and it and it's just it's kind of a growth for kids to to go through it in the fall and go from frustrated and man this this sucks and and uh, I don't like this DP to okay I'm a better hitter now and I'm stronger and this and that's a competition just it's a competition to sometimes foul off the stuff that we set up but mm-hmm. you know you I read that uh, or we came across it's been two or three years I guess when Houston after Houston won the uh, World Series. It was that article in Sports Illustrated about how Bonds shared that that machine drill that he did with uh, with a Beltran, and then Beltran showed it to Altuve. Are you familiar with that article? Uh, I am, but if you don't I mean, mind, can you you know dive into that for our? It's uh, it's basically uh, Bonds showed Beltran a drill, which was said that I, I'm assuming it was a hack attack or some sort of pitching machine that. He would go in before the game started back behind underneath the stadium and set the machine on just some ridiculously high speed and put it at like 40 feet away and just shoot. And I don't remember whether it was 20 or 50 or 100 balls that Bonds might have fouled off a couple and didn't square up any and it was just impossible to hit. But then when he went in and got in the box, obviously he was pretty good at at seeing (laughs) big league stuff slowed down to I don't know, to Little League stuff for Bonds. So he did this drill, and he probably didn't tell many people about it. He told Beltran about it, and Beltran showed Altuve about it. So the Astros started doing it the year they won the World Series, and it was just kind of this this light that went off for the Astros that year, obviously. And, you know, throughout baseball, the Astros are so far ahead of people, it seems like, mm-hmm. that now Altuve does it because Beltran showed it to him. And Altuve hits something like 430 or 450 or something like that off of 95 miles an hour higher, wow. which is just absolutely crazy. But it was it was neat. And then when you if you get kids to read that, I mean, and that's the, what we're doing. I mean, we we've made our kids read this. This is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. This is why how it can work. But it's not easy. It's not easy. So you know, if Bond can go back there and swing this and not fell off you know, 40 or whatever pitches it was, but take the success out of the field and just crush everybody. Uh, I think it works. So that, that was kind of a thing as far as it goes. No doubt. No doubt. That's uh that is very interesting. And that's something that, that I've toyed around with too. Do you, and so are you guys doing that pregame as well? We'll have a machine up in the cages. Well, it's different, you know, for, 
if we're seeing a right-hander that day, we'll, what you know, if he's a breaking ball guy or mm-hmm. a below guy, we'll we'll try to we'll try to set that up in the machine at home in our cages. We don't do it on the field. I got you. But, uh, we do in the cages. That 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 the cage group uh, for our pregame VP would will usually be that. You know, something if it's a left-handed guy, we'll we'll try to mix it and break the ball or whatever. But um, and it might be two machines in there as well. We did it the other day. Perfect. Yeah. And that, that's something that I'm trying to work through as well is, I, you know, I, I thought about setting up the machine really high and then just having them, I'd just call it something like wake your eyes up. And so where they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. taking, but they're, you know, having good takes on yeah. that and then coming over and having a little bit of feel good BP before they play. But that's a yeah. little bit of both because I, I feel like if I, if I was just getting beat down before a game, there's some kids that would be, that would be cautious of wanting to do that because of confidence. But it's yeah. trying to find a mix between those, I think, could be really, really you know, yeah. useful. And then obviously yeah. getting the kids to decide what really helps them, too, because some of them, it may really, really help, and some of them may not. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a great idea, yeah. and it's something that we all should should give some thought to. Yeah, there's a fine line between <laughs> killing their confidence and, and, uh, and getting some confidence. But I think the pregame BP on our field is obviously comfy BP and – and uh fun because mm-hmm. the other stuff isn't that makes that those days that we take the comfy bp that much more enjoyable and that much fun and and uh you know having some success because of you, you went through the the tough stuff oh, i love it well i want to know you know if you could go back and and talk to your first year self whenever you were a head coach and i you know i think I, that i've interviewed Oh, uh, several dozen head coaches, and 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 I've all asked them this question because I I think it it's really useful for not only just self reflection but also the coaches that are first year or wanting to be someday. But if you could go back and tell your first yourself something, or if you could give us you know give some first year coaches advice now, what would those things be? You'll probably you'll start out coaching as assistant to when you do that, man. Make sure that you're. You're doing it for the love of the game. There's not a lot of money there. That's the first thing. And and, and know that if you work hard, that, that things should work out for you. But to make yourself more valuable, just just learn and, and read and uh, make yourself valuable to the others on your st- on your staff. Be be open to try new things. Uh, learn something new on the metric side of things, especially these days. Um, there's no denying that this this game is, is going that way, whether you like it or not. First, uh, first year, man, just dive into reading, dive into shoot Twitter. It's a great information highway for for guys. If a if a 75 year old like Jerry Weinstein can can put out, he puts out stuff every day, and that guy, I guarantee, he reads and learns more about baseball than a lot of younger guys. Every day, follow that. Follow a guy like that on Twitter. Follow these guys on Twitter that just put out great stuff. And yeah, Twitter's a place for some craziness and some stupid stuff. But if you can filter through that, and, and uh, the Darren Fensters and uh, Kai, the infield guy, and Chad Longworth on base, you, Doctor Greg Rose, Eric Cresty, uh, even Graham Lehman, he doesn't tweet a lot, but he's got it. I mean, he puts stuff out; it's gold. Um, my assistant Zach Bove, Ryan Smith, who who we love, my son Ryan and Zach both they they put out in the fall, they put out some really good stuff that got them jobs in pro baseball that are really good basic hitting stuff, basic pitching stuff. I'd say dive into the to reading, to podcasts, to 
to uh, to Twitter and and just uh, to dive in and, and learn as much as you can about the game because it's not like it used to be. You can you can move up by being a smart guy and being a nerd and 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 getting jobs in pro ball because you you know things that other guys don't. Don't be scared to make mistakes about that and learn from your mistakes. Um, uh, that's a, that's a big one. I think that's big as far as putting stuff out there and learning stuff. Definitely. I, I think I literally follow every single one of those guys. So I, I guess I'm on the right track and <laughs> it's good. There you to, go. it's I, good. I, I hope I am as well. Cause I, I love it. I mean, I just, that's easy and maybe I, I don't know. I'm just a, a snippets guy too. And I like learning stuff here and there. So mm-hmm. uh, it's good. There's so many resources out there to do that. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, we're talking about personal growth. What's something that you've learned lately that you've, that you're really excited about? I just jumped into the the performance cortex book. I'm on about the third chapter, and it's tough. I think I had to listen to the uh-huh. uh, yeah, audible book on tape or whatever. But about two or three chapters in, some good stuff about the brain's job and performance, and it's 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 a tough read. It's not an easy read. I, I'm a, a podcast guy. I think the last uh, Driveline podcast they were talking about how a uh, a young kid, a high school kid after puberty, could take off. A season of competition, you seven months of strength trainer. You might be familiar with this, but mm-hmm. he talked about lifting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, squat three days a week. Just taking a season off and using seven months to uh, to do some serious strength training, uh, and that's like deadlifting once a week, bench and uh, bench pressing every other time, induced pull ups, and uh, some sort of a metabolic, some type of spinning or a sleds or something like that sprinting and you could do that for seven months post puberty and never have to worry about that strength training again i think it was uh mark ripito who how Bodie was was referring to was mm-hmm. talking about really this good and that just blows my mind that just blows my mind that you could that, that you could work for seven months and then the rest is just maintaining and that would be something that i would share with every middle school kid out there mm-hmm. that I think is just really neat that, that, uh, stuff like that. So, man, my, my stuff that comes from podcasts and things like your podcast, which is wonderful that are just, uh, about player development and little tricks and, and hints that work with players to make them better. Oh, fantastic. And before you go, there's, there's one question that may be my favorite because we're constantly I am constantly on the lookout for things that my players love to do in practice, and and if I can steal them from somebody else, then that that is just different things that I can add to my toolbox. But if you showed up tomorrow and you said, you know, you guys, hey guys, we're doing this today, uh, and they get get really excited about it, what would what would a couple of those things be? It would probably well, comfy BP would be one. <laughs> right. Hey, we're just going to set up the kick. We're just going to hit up, the, and that's the easy one. That's, that's mm-hmm. the easy one. We're just going to set up a cage and take some comfy BP, and they're like, oh, man, this is awesome. And just and, and, and hit without seeing those crazy machines on the field. We play a backside game where we set all the fields on, all the guys on one side of the field, and the wind in our field kind of blows out to right field. And obviously the majority of your hitters are right-handed. So we'll play a backside game every once in a while where, where we just uh, split up the teams and uh, – Cut half of the field off, and we'll we'll work the outside part of the plate anyways. Because as as you know, most of the pitchers are out there anyways, and we want our right handers to get the ball up in the air to to the backside. So we'll mm-hmm. pick a day where the wind's kind of blowing out. You know, there might be three guys in the infield and 
seven and four in the outfield and you got to hit a ball hard to score a point it might be one point if you get it through the infield or there's food at three points if it hits the grass and it's five points if it's a home run so it's one team against the other we make communication a part of it they have to say blah 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 on the fly balls they have to uh, talk and and uh, and it's unlimited ragging too so it's it's everything's on the board uh if you don't hit one good it's it's whatever it's talking about your girlfriend and talking about everything and it's just a fun day of of uh they don't know it but they're getting better because they don't score the first couple innings or they they score very little and then they start figuring it out start driving it that way and light drive that way and at the end of the maybe we play six innings of it back and forth they've taken a lot of good swings to the backside got some balls in the air and mm-hmm. it's fun obviously for the left-handers because we want the left-handers to get on the plate and pull hook it out of there one of the days when it's blowing out the right field and other teams that play on our field know how that goes and there's a couple uh, fields in our league that are that are kind of like that but i'd say we call it our backside game and it's just a uh there's a little communication defensive act aspect to it and some some field and some ground balls but it's mainly just you know getting that pitch that's that's on the outside part of the plate and and, and driving it to right field and and uh, hopefully you get a little carry over there in the games as far as, you know, pitchers that obviously are going to throw out a bunch. Sure. So I'd say something like that. Sure. I love that. And, and basically elevate and celebrate day. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, coach Smith, yeah. I, I appreciate uh, everything that, that you've done and shared with us through the podcast and, you know, being a guy that uh, is mid fifties and posting on Twitter and doing podcasts. I mean, that's something that, it just shows how how into growth that you are, and that's again I can't state enough of how big of a reflection that is on on the program too. Is you're leading by example, but if there's anything or if there's anyone that wants to get in touch with you and talk with uh, you about anything that we talked about today, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, my email is easy. It's just baseball at cf.edu, as in Central Florida. So baseball at cf.edu is my email. I think I'm at GoCFBaseball on Twitter. Um, and those would be probably the best two ways um, to get in touch with me just there. Perfect. Well, yeah, I'm just going to open up the mic for you and just let you roll. So is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Uh, just, uh, you know, as a 53-year-old coach that's been in it 30 years now, the the stuff that we're doing is a lot of fun. Coaches have an open mind to to the new stuff coming to baseball. Your kids are love it. You'll love it. There's transfer to to games. Um, I love the old cow body word, uh, Luddite. Don't be a Luddite. And it's at first when I heard that word, I thought he was calling everybody just pure idiots or stupid or whatever. But you look it up and it's just basically someone that is uh, is opposed to technology and new stuff. So don't be opposed to technology and new stuff. The radar gun was new stuff at one time. Uh, we didn't shy away from that, and that gives us some pretty good data. So, uh, you know, obviously a, a Rapsodo would as well, and, a, and, and the, the blast motion sensor, and just some some kind of basic things like that. Don't be, don't cheat your players. You know, there's old school stuff. There's old school guys that win and, and do it well, but you can get better, and you can learn, and you can uh, you can transfer that over. Uh, to your kids i i was you know i'm unsure of this I, I spoke at the high school convention and for florida in december of 2017 and i i gave about a it's about a 
50, uh, probably 35 to 40 PowerPoint pages presentation. And it was all about old school versus new school. And I never, I never really, I didn't preach new school. You have to do it. It was just laying out the detail. Hey, here's what it, it was like, and here's what it's moving towards. And it was pretty cool. I wasn't sure what kind of, uh, you know, because there were old school coaches in the room, high school coaches that, that were probably looking at me going, you're an idiot. This is stupid. Um, and then there were some that, that obviously we were reaching, but it was pretty cool. Tom Kochman is a scout. He's been a scout for the Angels and Red Sox for 35 years, but he was in the room and he came up. And I, I knew that I was on the right right track when Koch came up to me and said, hey, Marty, I need that PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I, I got to have it. That's uh, it's, it's going to be part of my job. I, and this is a guy that's been scouting and coaching for for years now. He's with the Red Sox, and he's just a well-respected scout in Florida. And mm-hmm. His son Casey played in the big leagues with the Angels, but it was pretty cool. He came up, and I wasn't sure if he was going to come up and say, "Oh, that's a bunch of you know hooey," or what. But he said, "Hey, I, I need that PowerPoint presentation. I gotta, I gotta have that." And so if I, I reached him, I thought, oh, "Okay, all right, I'm doing something right." And this was a couple years ago when we. Maybe we were a year into kind of this new stuff, and and uh, so that that helped a little bit ease my mind as far as you know being on the right direction and doing the right thing and, and stuff like that. So uh, my advice is read, learn, help out your players. Yeah, you 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 are everybody's already you know thinks they're they're a good coach that have been doing it a long time. But I was I was a horrible coach five years ago. I'm embarrassed over uh, some of the things that that we did and we taught and, and now that we know, but, you know, have that growth mindset of, of, uh, becoming a better coach every day and helping your kids and helping your kids develop. And it transfers over the games. It might transfer into some wins. I don't think I've talked about wins the whole time, but this whole part has been about development. Believe me, a byproduct of that is your kids getting better, moving on to a four year school. We're a junior college. So we're kind of in the middle where we send them to four year schools and that's, a lot better than wins and any career that a, that a coach would have. So uh, I appreciate the, you for, for doing what you do. And I know you, you uh, do it as a labor of love and you're coaching and you're in the middle of your season and, and uh, just getting coaches to, to get the word out about uh, how to develop players and, and doing things the right way and all these different ideas. I, I appreciate what you do as well. All right, Coach. Well, I don't think there's a better way to end it, and I really do appreciate the compliment. But uh, again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group, And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.